0: Welcome to the Engage and Equip Podcast. This is a resource designed to help form substantive disciples for the local church. My name is John Zakatowski. I'm one of your hosts here on the podcast. And this week, you're going to hear from Executive Pastor Mike Beresford in a seminar that he recently gave at a conference called No Regrets. This is a men's conference that was started in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Now is simulcast all over the nation. And at each one of the local locations that it's shown uh, that the simulcast is beamed in, they have different breakout speakers at those locations. So Mike was one of the breakout speakers at one of the locations, and he was talking on a topic of being a man of influence. So that's what he's going to be talking about here. If you want to find out more information about No Regrets, or if you want to find recordings from their various breakouts, you can go to subsplash.com slash no regrets to find all of the various different recordings that they have there. But this one is Mike's, so take a listen and it will be great.
1: Executive pastor at High Point Church in Madison. And um, nice pleasure to be here today. Chuck said I used to say a few things about myself. Been married for 41 years. Located in the of ministry for 42 years. No, 41 years. Um, worked for Billy Graham for 11 years internationally, doing um, setting up and problem solving for ministries internationally. And I currently um, am developing a. Christian School District, per se, called Impact Christian Schools, and I'm the chaplain at State Capitol. And so um, I don't like to stay in one place too long, so they they kick me out every once in a while so I can do some other things. So it'd be okay if we just open in prayer. Father, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. I pray that truth is in this, as it's from the word, and so that you would open our hearts and minds and guide us into that today. Each individually, it'll mean something different, but we're all called to follow you. We're all called to exhibit your character and to be part of that outpost of the kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven every day here. So speak to us as you would, in your name. Amen. 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 So all of us have a variety of roles that... We play. And if I were to ask a woman, tell me something about yourself, she's going to tell me about her relationships. So if I ask most of you, tell me something about yourself, you're going to tell me about your job. And our identity is wrapped up often in what we do the most of. And but it's also for a man, it's it's a little bit different. We're the provider, we we take that. But we're also image bearers. There's been a question that's been nagging me over the last couple of years, and that's what would happen if we saw ourselves, our true identity, the place we gain our influence from as being in Jesus Christ? I've actually tried a couple times when people say, who are you? What do you do? Tell me something about yourself. And I just tell them, um, I'm an in- image bearer of uh, Jesus Christ. And they look at me like, you're nuts. And I try it with non-Christians too. They're a little bit more receptive than the Christians. Are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The reason I'm sitting down is I'm seven weeks out from a knee replacement, and so I'll probably go between a, a chair and standing up. I don't <laughs> sit very well either. So, um, but who do, who are you? How do you identify yourself? In your write down in, in your worksheet, if you have a pen or pencil, what are your top five identities? that you usually identify yourself off. Just jot them down, real quick. Let will take just take 20 <coughs> seconds. What title do you use when you think about yourself? Husband, employee, employer, dad, friend. We've got two chairs. One in the top row and one up here in the middle. Nope, two in the top row. The reason that's important is that's usually where we go to to talk about ourselves, and it's, it's where we go to often in our influence of other people. And, and there's this notion that somehow has happened in the last 50 years in evangelical circles is that the part of us that Christ touches is that spiritual part. And then we go off to work, we go off to our marriage, we go off to whatever else we do, and we don't take that transformation with us on the way. And and we tend to forget that the Holy Spirit resides within us 24-7, 365. And that is your primary identity. And your identity is there and empowered to do good for the kingdom of God. I have a wife that is a a prayer warrior. And I'm sure that's why God, there's two things I know about my life. My mom said, God made you a pastor so you'd go to church. And and my wife keeps me daily straight. every morning she prays that mike be full of your kingdom as it is in heaven today as he influences those he speaks to for for good of the kingdom and i can't get away from that prayer throughout the day which helps me behave and it reminds me that that's who i am now i'm a vocational pastor i lead bible studies i do some stuff with business people in town i'm a husband i'm a dad of two girls I have all these other titles, but none of them have any weight without that central title of who I am in Christ. And we're called to be that person and bring that person into every aspect of every role that we play throughout the day. I remember talking to a business guy one day and I got to my appointment early with him and I could hear him just yelling at one of his employees. Doors were closed, and he comes out and he goes, oh, you're here early. I said, yeah, can we step in your office? So we stepped in, I shut the door, and I said, I heard a little bit about that last conversation because your voice was carrying past the door. Let me ask you a question. What part of that conversation did Christ carry Because what I heard didn't sound like the presence of Christ was present. And he began to weep. And we need people to ask us those questions. We need to ask those questions. How am I bringing Christ into my daily life? Now, the other thing I've gotten tired of in, in our modern Christendom is You know, you you gotta read the Bible an hour a day. You gotta pray so much a day. You gotta do so many chapters. You gotta do this, you gotta do that. Because I have failed miserably at everything I'm supposed to do. And I'm a pastor. And, And so I've left those things alone because I don't like failing, but I've grown to do something else which has brought me back to the word, which has brought me back to prayer, which has brought me back to the disciplines but for an entirely different reason. And that's part of what I want to share with you today. Because most of you have everything you need to be what God wants you to be. But we forget to exercise it. We forget who we are. We forget our identity. As I said earlier, the transformation that's talked about in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21 says that the old is new, the or the old is gone and the new has come, completely transformed. Now, we know that verse, we know the passage, but how many times do we think of that just as our spirit man? It's interesting, in Romans, Paul says, I'm gonna take some examples from daily life so you'll understand this. And then he talks about work, and he talks about marriage, he talks about parenting, and he talks about governing, and he talks about all these other things What's that got to do with God in in my spirituality? Everything. Last year, the Republican caucus had the worst day of their life. The Speaker of the House um, asked one of the guys in the Bible study, he said, hey, is that preacher guy still here? And uh, John said, yeah. He said, do you think he could hang around until 10 o'clock and address us today in caucus? Now that usually doesn't happen, it's a closed session. And John's like, yeah, why? He says, because we screwed up yesterday. They, had, they were yelling at each other. They were calling each other names. I mean, it was just ugly. And so at 10 o'clock I went in and I said, okay. I've been asked basically to come in and tell you guys you screwed up yesterday and pray over you. Because the work that you're doing is the work of governing, and that's God's work. That's something that he put into place says in second uh, Timothy 2, that we should pray for you so that people can live in peace and flourish because you're doing the work of governing. Whether you believe in God or not, you're doing his work. So thereby you are a minister, where that comes from, so that we can live in peace. And today I'm going to pray that God's presence would be such that at the end of the day, you will be as, re, as confounded that you had a great day as yesterday you're confounded you had a terrible day. I got emails at the end of the day saying, I don't know what happened, but we got more work done today on the floor than we have in months. I know what happened. They paid attention to a spirit that was present because the presence of God is everywhere. And there was a number of Christians that are in the legislative branch and they, they emailed me or stopped me in the halls and they were like, thanks for the reminder. I'm like, that's supposed to be daily. That's not a reminder. That's who you are. That's the work that you do. Um, What stops you from recognizing daily? I'm going to go back so we get the clock there. Remembering who you are in Christ, in your workplace, in your marriage, in parenting. And I know we don't remember those things all the time. We do some of the time. But why don't we remember that all the time? Share it just with the guy around you. I'll set the clock for three minutes here.
2: (laughs) Uh, like, hey, it, like and, and said like, hey, like, 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 you know, it. it's I said that I said that I said that I said to I said you I that I said that I said that I said that I am that to said that I 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 said I I
1: we are. What are some of the reasons that you forget that? Distraction. Okay? We get distracted by like, the light.
0: world. Yeah. What else? I say I feel like that I'm in a minority as far as a person who is striving to place God first. And when you're out in the world and around all these other influences that other people that aren't placing God's first,
1: it's hard to get reminded throughout okay. the day. A couple others. Our same we're sinful. Upsetting the workplace or the surroundings that we might be at at that moment in time. Are you saying non-believers, do we want to stress God to them? No, we can, you know, there is that, but there's also the fact that I can do really good work knowing who I belong to, and I do it as unto the glory of God. And they don't even have to know, I just am an excellent worker. That's worship. But we forget If I asked you on Sunday, what's the most important thing in your life, you would tell me, Jesus. So, we're supposed to love God with our body, mind, soul. soul. Not just our soul. How do you love God with your body? How are you physically taking care of yourself? How are you doing things? How are you serving? How are you loving God with your mind? How are you thinking? Who are you? What presence are you carrying the soul one, we kind of got down, maybe. And it, it's so easy to think like the world because we live here. Another thing I do sometimes is just write on the board, you know, all right write at home, you know, do you live, you know, where do you live? If I ask you where do you live, where would you say? Just tell me all at once where you live. For, 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 for Did anybody say the Kingdom of God? <laughs> but don't you? But is that our identity? Is it supposed to be our identity? Yes, it is. And if we changed how we fought, what would it do to us? Would I be at conflict with spiritual disciplines, including reading God's Word and prayer, two basics, if I truly understood that I'm a child of the King? And believe that. You do what you believe. What you value, in deep down, is what guides you. It's what determines your thoughts. It's what determines, I'll use not you, but our thoughts, our behavior, defines our goals. Everything about us comes out of that place of our deepest beliefs. Beliefs. How we function, when nobody else is looking. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21 said that absolutely everything has been made new. And so for us as men, we have to be a little bit more inclusive in what that means. Does it actually include everything? Because if we believe that then the changing of our mind, the changing of our thoughts, how we view people will change because of Christ's influence within us and with his presence within us and the promised empowering and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives daily. But if I don't believe that, I'm lost. And Christianity doesn't work if you don't believe that because it becomes duty. And Christianity is not duty. It's based on a relationship a God who loves you, a God who rescued you, and a God who empowers you, and a God who's going to deliver you. And so, three things I wanna hit. Being in Christ means you're called to discipline so you can thrive. Not so you can say, I checked off the box. So you can accomplish things that are beyond what you think is possible. What did Jesus say? We read the Gospels and we see all these phrases, and he was full of the Spirit, and the Spirit went before him, and the Spirit led him, and we see all these things. And then we read Philippians 2 and it says that that Jesus laid down his deity. He was still fully God, but he laid it down and he chose to live as a man full of the Spirit, dependent on the Spirit, just like we are, so that we could watch Him, so that we could see how we function with the Holy Spirit. And then he said this audacious statement, and you're going to do more than I did. We're like, that, right? I don't think so. You're God, I'm not. I know who I am. I look in the mirror every day, and I'm like, not a happy thing. But full of the Spirit of God, if we remembered that, what would it be like? And third... So, you can experience the unleashing not just of your mental and physical capacities, but all moral and spiritual potential. You didn't know it could exist. If I, were, if I asked you and you honestly raised your hand, and I don't want anybody to raise your hand on this question, how many of you struggle with lust or temptation in the sexual realm? The majority of this room would raise your hand. Why? Because our, not, our minds are not set on the things above. Philippians 4.8, they're settling on the things of the world. And Romans 12.2 says, no, don't be conformed to the way they think, you don't need to be because of Christ in you, because of the presence of the Spirit in you, you are now free to think differently so that you know without a shadow of a doubt what God wants for you. It's not a surprise, it's not a, a mystery. It's an understanding that his presence is present, and that defines me. I was building a, I bought a 20, uh, 1974 16 uh, foot pole behind camping trailer, and I completely got it, I cut the roof off, put a new one on, rebuilt the inside, and I had a, a uh, friend of mine who's an electrician, a retired electrician, He'd never done anything, that kind of thing. I was putting a power center in it, and we, we couldn't figure out how they had set the neutral boards up. And, and all of a sudden, I hear him. He, he says, Holy Spirit, I don't understand this. Would you make it make sense to me? And I kind of smiled because I believed that. And about 30 seconds later, he goes, got it. And it worked great. Is that possible, is that true, or is that false? Is God that present? Yes. Says he is. We have to believe that that's who we are in Christ. That Christ dwells within us. God creates us to be morally capable still imperfect, still struggling against our own issues, yet called to reorient ourselves daily. So every morning as esco prays over me, I'm reminded that I'm not going out in the strength of Mike. Because I've done that before. I hurt people, I run over people, I leave a trail. It's not pretty. It's definitely not Christian. And when Christ really got a hold of Mike, I became gentle, caring, still strong, still get things done, but I actually loved people. I'd been in the ministry for, vocational ministry for three years. I came in as a children's pastor. I had about 600 children under me. In a church in Seattle area. And uh, Leroy Johnson, he'd known me since ninth grade. He just called me MB. We're in the lobby, lobby, second service. Men's restroom's right here. We're talking, he comes up and he says, MB, if you love people, you'd be a phenomenal pastor. I knew it wasn't Leroy talking, I knew it was God talking. God's got this nine iron that's got the shape on my face. <laughs> Every once in a while. I hit the bathroom door, found an empty stall, and stayed there in front of the porcelain throne for an hour just weeping. Because I knew God had just corrected me in a huge way. Well, he did the work. I had to work it out. It took me probably a couple years. But he changed me. He transformed me. He didn't change who Mike was, but he made me better. He gave me a better yes to who I was and to who he was. And when we allow that transformation to happen and actually step into it, what does the world see? They see who Jesus is, he's a redeemer, he's king, he's Lord, he's a re- he's, he cares so much about us, he shows himself through us. And I tell you, when he does, that's a better day. It doesn't mean things go right But there's a lot more that goes right when I remember that and go to work in his name and create in his name and love in his name and parent in his name. Because it's not the worldly Mike that those people are getting. It's a redeemed version of Mike. It's really bothered me that over the last, gosh, In 12 years, especially in American churches, we have lost so much momentum when it comes to influencing our our world. God hasn't changed, His heart hasn't changed, His power hasn't changed. So, what did we have become so absorbed in the world, in worldliness? and banking on what the world gives us to be who we are. And it's not that God's against anything that you have, your wealth, your business identity, whatever it may be. He just doesn't want to share lordship. He wants to empower your wealth. He wants to empower your presence. He wants to empower your influence. He wants to empower your marriage and your parenting. Everything you identify yourself in. But he can't do that if we don't recognize his kingship. And if we don't recognize his kingship, then our influence is solely from us. And if you're anything like me, it's selfish. It's not worth being influenced by. But when I influence with the power of the Holy Spirit within me, lives are changed around me. And those are good days. And so how do we connect? There's three things I wanna run by you. And they're in your notes. First is, we've gotta come to terms with, and we're gonna come back to these, come to terms that God is in you, fully. Accept the fact that you're in Christ for his purpose. You're not a Christian for your own sake. I've asked many Christians all, all over the globe, really, who did you get saved for? Well, the obvious answer is me. But if you're called to be light and salt and your name is ambassador, who did you get saved for? I a guy that, that uh, bought a new house and he, within a few weeks he found out that everybody in the cul-de-sac where he lived was Christian. And he's telling me about it, he's all excited, and I said, then you should move. <laughs> 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 they don't need you there. If you got all the salt in the salt shaker and that's the only place the shaking's going on, it's not helping anybody else. In that your roles are places where you get to live out this presence of God within you. You don't need to go do anything else to be used by God. Every place you are and everything you are has been set up for you to show the glory of God through you, right where you're at. I had a guy last week, he came in and he said, I think I want to be a pastor. And I said, why would you want to do that? He said, so I can, I can tell people about Jesus. So I can be good at my job and have pride. And I said, what do you do?" And He's not an a mechanic. I said, have you ever influenced there? And he started telling me about six men that over the last three years, he shared Christ with and for professing Christ and changed their lives, and I said, you know what? You're pastoring, go do it. Go be a mechanic in Jesus' name, right where he's got, because he's given you a flock to care for. Do good work, be the best mechanic so you earn your right, so people want to hang with you, so you can share who you are. Um, And he walked out and changed perspective. Recognizing God in you, you're fully engaged by the Holy Spirit, and He is wanting you to fully access Him. I believe these are all on the last page of your your handout. The Holy Spirit's present there isn't just so He can say, okay, build Him, build Him, build Him. It's so that you can access Him. It's so that He can do life with you. The invitation is there to fully engage so that daily, the vineyard churches have a phrase that I love, naturally supernatural. You shouldn't ever know, I don't think, when you have a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or a discerning thought. That should be so natural because of the presence of Christ within you that it just happens. You might look back and go, huh wow, I didn't know to say that. Or somebody that knows you're really good might look at you and say, <laughs> you're not that smart. But it should happen because of the Christ and because of the presence within us. It should be a naturally supernatural experience. You're called to live in freedom from sin and wholly alive within that freedom. What does Paul say? It's for freedom's sake that you've been set free. And yet, how many of us take the same thoughts back to work on Monday? How many of us mentally play the same games, trying to dig ourselves out week after week after week, without ever accessing the one who raised Christ from the dead, who dwells within you? You're meant to live in a present reality. Bringing good right now into your context. I think sometimes we treat it like a savings account. Well, it'll be good when I die and somebody else gets it. No. God's presence is meant for you right now for your neighbor, for your daughter, for your son, for your wife, for the guy looking in the mirror. He wants to actively pursue everything that you're about right now, for his glory. And when that happens, there's something within us. Everybody in this room has probably had the moment where you know that God used you to do something, and it has one of the best feelings alive. What if that becomes a lifestyle? The second, recognizing who you are in Christ. Not only that Christ is present, but that you are free in him. You're free from the distractions. It doesn't mean they're not a distraction, they are. A temptation's a temptation, a temptation. But you have the ability to say, no, I choose not to because I'm in Christ. That's a lie, I can replace it with truth and think this way. I don't have to accept the lies of the world. I've been given a better yes to thinking I've been given a better yes to how I live. But that exercise happens moment by moment. I started this habit, I don't know where. My first years with Billy Graham, I was really fortunate. I got to meet some just amazing people. It seems like they always had something to, a tidbit to throw on your plate. Yeah, I don't remember who said it, but every time somebody walks up to you, just ask God what he wants to do. What's he want to say? And I developed that habit 12, 13 years ago. God, is there a way you want to use me in this conversation? Because that reminds Mike that there's several conversations that are going to happen here. There's a conversation between me and you. There's a conversation between me and God about you. There's a conversation about me and God about me. There's a conversation with God and you. And all those are happening at one time for his glory so that you benefit. And I want to be used in it. So I have to pay attention. All things in Christ. It doesn't say some things. It doesn't say domestic things. It doesn't say work things. It doesn't say spiritual things. It says everything, all things, in Christ. You're going to have to discern what is and what isn't. You have authority. Now, this is a tough one for us because we don't preach about spiritual authority too much because it tends to always go haywire when it gets too much. We tend to want to take control of it. But exercising spiritual authority happens first and foremost in your brain with the thoughts that you start to entertain that are not holy, that are not righteous, that are tempting, that you don't want to tell your wife about. And you get to say, no, I don't have to go there. You get to turn and walk away from the conversations. You get to turn and and choose where you're going to be mentally, spiritually. You have that authority. And then in character, best place to see that is, is 2 Peter 1, 3 through 8. The third thing, you're called to understand your calling in your spheres of influence. One of the most dynamic experiences I had was um, meeting the Joint Chief of Staff about oh, seven, eight years ago. You talk about command authority. He was an admiral in the Navy at the time. He's, he's the head of he's the Joint Chief, and when he walked into the room, the room stopped. He had that much authority and presence and the four guys carrying Uzis under their shoulders didn't hurt either but he understood command authority and and I'm watching him turns out incredible believer and not once over the four days that we had him as a speaker did he ever use his earthly power to get a point across he was one of the most God-oriented in his speech. He didn't take credit, gave all the credit to God, and yet this man just dripped with power. And it was amazing to watch. It was amazing to learn from him. He didn't set down one ounce of power of who he was. But God got every ounce of glory out of He never put anybody down. He never made anybody feel bad. He knew exactly who he was and what his purpose was and who resided within him. So you have to understand that the presence of God has to be exercised in your own sphere for your own self first, in your own mind. Then in your marriage, in your relationships, in your work, That's God's creative order as well. God created Adam first, then he created the Mary's, then he created the word. And and if we get stuff outside of God's creative order, it just doesn't work. We can't be good Christian leaders of our wives if we're not good Christian leaders of ourselves. We can't be godly parents if we're not godly first. We can't excel at work If we go to work selfishly rather than doing all things unto christ and giving him credit of being good and sometimes we think oh that's lofty i've got a friend who's a pastor and his dad was a lead janitor in a school district and everybody knew that that man was a christian because he had the cleanest building in the district he told his son he said adam I'm a follower of Jesus, and the way that I can show that best is to have the cleanest building. Because it's for God. We think we've got to invent something or do something or encourage or lead. No. Just do what you do well unto Jesus. And in our leisure, what are you pursuing? Why are you pursuing it? How are you bringing others into it? How are you bringing God glory in it? We've got just a few minutes, three questions. Do you believe for yourself that God really does live within you? can help you in every area of your life. I'm hoping that when you leave here, you'll go back to these three questions. They're on your your, uh, page. What areas have you denied him access to? What closets are locked? I'm trying to change everything, but what's one area that you need to give God access to? What's one area you need to say, I am no longer Lord of this area, I'm tired of bringing what I can bring to the party? Because I'm failing. And I want you to bring who you are to that area so I can not only achieve, but I can influence. What oops. And then what are you going to do to allow them access? How you do that will be different than how I do that. And it's not by reading a chapter a day and spending 30 minutes journaling. Well, those things may help you. It's the internal stuff first. It's understanding what you believe and why is fully submitting is the video that we saw this morning that when Christ dwells within us in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, we are transformed men. We have the capacity to be relentless, to pursue. But what are we pursuing? Worldliness? No, we're pursuing Jesus. And that pursuit isn't just choosing to worship Him. It's choosing to live in such a way that He's recognized. And it affects everything about you. And all of a sudden your ability to influence is no longer based on what you bring to the table. It's based on what God wants to bring to the table through you. if you really knew who i am there is no reason in the world i should have gotten to do some of the things i've gotten to do in my life none bottom of the pile but because i found this out in my 20s god was able to use me in my 40s and my 50s and now in my 60s takes time it's not about mike It really isn't about Mike. But God says, no, but I created you for a purpose. Let me reign in you so that purpose can be seen. So I can use you in how I created you to bless others. So I can actually shine in and through you. So I can actually call you salt, where you bring flavor to your environment. You bring goodness. You bring the ability to preserve. And that's how God wants to use you, men. The average man is not satisfied with himself. We want more. But the avenue to more is not out there. It's right here his presence within you and once you understand that and begin to thrive there i can't promise you a million bucks but i can promise you a fulfilling and a contentment and the ability to look back and to see a trail of goodness from your hands and from your mouth that brings glory to christ and that is good So be his church. Lead in his church. Don't be lazy. Be the man that God's called you to be. But more than that, be the man that God has empowered you to be for his glory. Amen? Amen. Do your homework. And if you find out you're doing great, then praise God. If you find areas that you can release to him, release one. Don't do it all at once. You can't win, you're not gonna run. So just do one at a time, let him have him and grow in him. Thanks, Mike. God bless you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Engage and Equip podcast. If you'd like to find more episodes, you can go online to highpointchurch.org podcast. You can also find us online on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and other apps like that. We hope this episode was helpful to you as you grow in becoming a substantive disciple and a part of the local church. If this episode was helpful to you, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or otherwise share this episode with a friend. Those are some of the best ways that we have to reach new listeners. So until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Engage and Equip.